People buy houses every day. No big deal to the bank. But buying my first home? That was a big deal to me. That's why I got my mortgage from DCU. They were with me every step of the way. I was able to get a great rate, and they'll service my loan for as long as I have it. Plus, they let me manage my mortgage online, anytime. My mortgage from DCU was the first step, and now, I'm home. What will DCU mean to you? Insured by NCUA, NMLS number 466914, equal housing lender, membership required. Visit dcu.org. Worcester Culture Watch, a podcast connecting you with the local culture scene in Worcester. Arts, entertainment, music, and more. Worcester Culture Watch, from the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. Hello, and you are listening to Worcester Culture Watch on WorcesterMag.com and Telegram.com and Unity Radio 97.9 FM in Worcester. I'm Victor Infante, entertainment editor for the Worcester Telegram and Gazette and the content editor for Worcester Magazine. And I am joined here in the studio, as I often am, by Worcester Magazine reporter Bill Shaner. How are you doing, Bill? Uh, doing great today. Yep. I have st- I've abandoned the effort to come up with third titles for myself. Yeah, I, just, I, you know. The joke got old fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, you know, you wear, you wear a lot more hats than what you lead on. I think yeah, we all know that. Yeah, we yeah, all know yeah. This. I, I, I'm the guy who gets yelled at over not uh, over small things, but they're not small to other people. This right. is yeah. this is the lesson in journal. Lesson. I'm not going to talk about what thing I got yelled at about today, but but uh, <laughs> but it was seemingly it, innocuous. It seemingly innocuous. It. Yeah. Read read the story again. Not actually wrong in any way. Mm-hmm. I can completely understand where the other person is coming from. Right, right. You know, it's like, because what is a small thing to us is not always a small thing to somebody else. It's a big, it can be a big thing. It can be a huge thing to them. Yeah. And that's that's one of the lessons of journalism, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. This is how we grow as people in this. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, all right. We're not here. You don't come to us for the feels. You re- <laughs> you do not come to this podcast for the feels. No. No, but I I do have kind of a happy we have kind of a happy story. We'll start off with we want to start off with the trolley. Yeah, the trolley. I mean, it's cute. It's, I love the trolley. It's like cute. I don't know why I love the trolley. Like it's not public transit. It's like cute transit. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it is a good idea, I think. Uh, and it's actually looks like it's going to be a reality and not just like a a sort of a pipe dream. Like, wouldn't it be nice? Sort of thing. So I, I sat down. I didn't sit down. Well, I sat down in a car with mm. uh, the two people who are doing the trolley, uh, Aaron Perna and Ben White. And we uh, sort of drove along the route as they explained to me, like, what need this actually really is going that to That really fill. did illustrate the, illustrate the point. Yeah. And I think that it's... Um, uh, I wanted to do the story that way because I thought that, that I was going to get the most like sort of like candid like uh, uh, talk on like what they really want to accomplish with this trolley. And it, it, in, in short, it's not public transit. It's not going to replace tr- public transit. It's sort of like a fun way for people to come and experience Western nightlife, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is, um, you know, it's a good thing. It benefits businesses. Uh, uh, it connects people to neighborhoods they might not otherwise uh, know where to go. And it's probably just like a fun thing to do in the summer. So I, I really have 
I mean, like, there obviously there's going to be some cranks. There's always cranks oh, of in course. We're going to be like, we're, ah, we're, they're off and us. Oh yeah, no, I'm <laughs> I'm almost always that guy. Uh, in this instance, I I see no problem with this new thing in Worcester, and uh, I think that it is cool, and I would. Um, relish the opportunity to uh, sneak a six back onto this trolley and ride it around for the night. There you go. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, in, yeah. a, in an unprofessional capacity. And in a, in a hypothetical, in a metaphorical hypothetical, sort of way. In a hypothetical, metaphorical sort of way, unaffiliated <laughs> yeah. with Gatehouse Media New England or Gannett, uh, <laughs> uh, allegedly. Oh, uh, allegedly. Ah, <laughs> uh, goodness gracious. No, but it has occurred to me. It's like, well, my favorite point in there is like, you just really, nobody walks from Maria's Kitchen to Wormtown Brewery, even though it's not that far. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, uh, no one's going to walk really from that end of Shrewsbury Street up to the canal. Uh, up to, no, I mean, up to the, the furthest end of Shrewsbury yeah. Street where like Redemption Rock is. And even more so, no one is going to walk from Shrewsbury Street to Highland Street or from Shrewsbury Street to Grove Street. No. You're not going to do, you, you only do that. I've done it a couple times uh, out of necessity, out of like, oh, I can't afford an Uber and I'm hammered. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, talking about Worcester Night I will Life, walk right? that. <laughs> I will walk that during the day. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, when I'm at, you know, on a nice day, I'll walk. I'll walk to work, and I work. Right. I live down Lincoln a bit. Yeah. And I walk, you know, from most of that ride walk to downtown. Yeah. And I sometimes, you know, my wife walk works near Kelly Square, so I'll sometimes walk from Kelly Square to which to the common area, which yeah. is like it feels like it's a long time. It's not a long walk. It's, it's not like, a long not walk even at twenty all. minutes. That is um, part of the thing that they were really talking about when we were riding around is that these places are not very far away from each other, but the way that Worcester is built, especially with 290, mm-hmm. they feel like entirely unnavigable because the space you have to walk through is not urban space. You're not walking past storefronts, businesses, high density areas that make you feel safe. You're walking through an extremely sketchy highway underpass uh, and yeah. uh, a, uh, a tunnel. That, I know people who won't do that walk for just that reason. Yeah. So, uh, so those are big problems, big structural problems in Worcester that have existed for a long time and have sort of perennially held Worcester back as like a really dense urban center. And we did it to ourselves. Uh, because cars, but, uh, you know, so the trolley is, uh, is, is just sort of like a fun way for a small amount of people really every night to, uh, experience Worcester in a different way, patronize more local businesses, uh, and the like. Now, the way that they're funding it, um, is interesting too. Tell me a little Uh, about that. Yeah. So the way it works is there's an app and if you go, and you get like a cup of coffee at Birch Tree or something like that. The, the businesses have to participate. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it could get hung up on businesses not wanting to participate or whatever. But you get a free voucher um, to get on the – you get a, a voucher to get on the trolley for free. Mm. Uh, and then that lasts all, all night or something like that. And so if you want to ride the trolley, you have to buy from a local business. Um, which is an interesting, uh, so like the, like the, each, each store basically will have like a code that you punch in. And if you punch in the store code, you get a voucher to get on the trolley and Uh, the trolley itself is free. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating actually. Cause I, and I, and I, in its favor, I, I was looking, noting who was retweeting the story and who was sharing it on Facebook. And a lot of it is 
canal district organizations, canal yeah. district businesses. So, well, so that tells me that they're on board with this. I think that part of why this is like a, a, a part of why this is resonating with people. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason why actual public transit issues are resonating with people right now is that people want to go down to that area, but it's just a nightmare to try to drive down there and it's not going to get any better. It's like you, like we sort of have to start acknowledging that, uh, we're getting dense enough that driving your car to each business and parking in front of it is just not it's it's going to get increasingly hard to do that. So different ways of navigating the city are going to be um, are going to be necessary. Uh, and this is one little sort of fun way that you could do that and start thinking about it differently. Well, it's like it struck me as useful if there's say something happening at Polar Park, right? And thus traffic is probably a nightmare in Kelly Square. But you really want to go to something at Electric Hayes or Nick's. Yeah, maybe you park your car, leave your car back at the other end somewhere take the buy something buy yeah. dinner or a drink or something get your voucher ride the trolley back right. and forth that sounds actually yeah that actually sounds like a pretty good plan for locals right yeah and that's a no it's not a bad plan at all and if we had the kind of bus system where it ran every 15 minutes then you know people would do that but we don't so uh, i think that uh in the meantime uh exploring stuff like this it's uh, it's just going to make anything that gets people out of cars and experiencing the city, especially in a nightlife way, it, in a in a more of like a mass transit sort of way that encourages foot traffic, walking, uh, density along sidewalks and stuff that all makes people feel safe and like pe- that yeah. something's happening there. Uh, anything that gets that to happen is a good thing. Yes. Because the, the way that it works right now is um, – not you know, it's not really a city, like yeah, it, yeah. You just you just drive around. It's a series of neighborhoods. Yeah, exactly. Vaguely connected. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's basically Worcester. I mean, Worcester. You could you could say is four four medium sized towns smushed together with like a fake downtown. Maybe like six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Because right. yeah, like you get out near the Holden line, I'm like, this is still Worcester. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it. Yeah, Worcester feels a little bit disjointed, and Worcester's got a couple pockets where. Uh, there's a lot of really good uh, entertainment options and, and stuff to do, but those also feel disjointed. And uh, you know, this is um, this is a sort of a novel way to connect it. And and uh, I think that the response uh, in the community has been a positive one. And I think people are, are sort of uh, hungry for ways to get around Worcester that don't involve a car. Well, it's like I, 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 it's just it's hard not. There's there's no down on this. Yeah, I can't, like, we can't find it down. If we can't find it down, anybody. No, oh yeah, can. no, I can find the down in anything. Um, yeah. this no, no, I think it's a, I think it's a, a good idea, and I think that it's a, a, a fun, um, hopefully smart investment for these people, and uh, we'll see how it works. So, so they're going to launch it. Uh, it's, it's they just bought their first trolley car, and yeah. that's sort of like the news hook that I built this cover story around, but they're not launching it till 2021. Um, the spring of 2021, they're going to try to do it coordinating with the, the ballpark opening of or, course. or whatever, so um, that's when they'll be actually launching it, uh, so it's still a, a long time, a long, long ways out. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds like we have got... We've been we've been positive. We've been positive for what ten minutes now? We've, yeah, that's ten minutes of positivity about Worcester. That's really that uh, that that has that that I, is a ama- that might be our record. I feel exhausted. 
I know, I know. Let's talk about let's talk about something less happy. Yes, <laughs> um, your wisteria column this week has been has been um, much shared and much discussed online. Yes, um, uh, that's what I like to see. Yep, yep. And um, it this, is my it, solemn responsibility to fire up the townies every week. And we are on evidently the subject that blows people up more than anything else. Yeah, sex ed in Worcester. Sex ed in Worcester, the sort of thing that every other normal school district has been able to figure out for many years. Uh, in Worcester, we just don't do it, and uh, you know what? We're just uh, repeating the same lines and excuses over and over again as to why we are not doing it. That's why I decided this week to call out Superintendent Marie Binenda, uh and her push to, quote-unquote, write our own sex ed curriculum, yeah. uh, which is very weird uh, for any curriculum for a district to write its own curriculum. Uh, but this has been used in the past often over and over again as a way to dodge any sort of what you might call progressive uh, means-tested uh, sort of um, – Sex ed curriculum that's proven to work, that has right. been proven to work. This has been the line where uh, people have used, Marie and Benita, uh and others have used to sort of wiggle out of that. Uh, and it seems like Joe Petty has sort of ratcheted up his stance that we need to get this done. Um, he made it a big priority last week at uh, one of the first school committee meetings of the year. And he, um, he says, you know what, we can't keep waiting for the state. We got to get this done, uh, and I applaud him for that. Mm -hmm. But I still think that he might be playing too nice with this because we went through this last year, where the same people in the same positions of power are saying the same things over again that really just indicate that they are not willing to move on this issue or do anything with it. Now, let me ask this question though: um, Yes, they, the same people are saying the same things. But this count. This school board is not the exact same. No, and and have the circumstances in the town changed? Have the political winds in outside of that council? That but that definitely yeah. affect that. So have those changed? Uh, slightly. It's unclear whether it will be enough. Hmm. Uh, but we it it might change it from like a it was like a five. It was basically like five two last year against good sex ed. Mm. Uh, it was much more complicated than that. But if you were to like, just take the position of, um, of everyone, uh, that's where you would generally put it. Now it's either four, three or three, four. Uh, but it's very up in the air, which way the winds are going to blow. And Joe Petty, uh, is in a very complicated situation with this because he obviously wants to get it done. Uh, mm. and, but he, is in direct conflict with the superintendent who structurally has a lot more power over what happens in the school district than he does. Yeah. Uh, and he's got a split city council as a split school committee on this issue. And um, the people who are against it are a lot more fervently against it than the people who are for it. Mm. Uh, they, I mean, I did a big investigation last year. There's a lot of sort of anti-abortion, anti-Planned Parenthood sentiment that goes into uh, a lot of the uh, resistance to adopting um, uh, sex ed in Worcester, which is deeply unfortunate. And for those listening out there who haven't read Bill's story, How Sex Ed Died in Worcester, just uh, look it up on WorcesterMag.com. It's a really good read. Really yeah. good read. 
Yeah. Award-winning read. Award-winning, <laughs> yes, yeah. It, yeah, I won an award off of how weirdly and uniquely terrible Worcester politics are. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, you want to think about Massachusetts as a progressive place. Uh, this is one of the issues where it really is laid bare that Massachusetts, especially central Massachusetts, is not really that all that progressive of a place. Uh, and this is uh, a deep-seated um, issue for what I would say uh, Marine Binenda and John Monfredo both come from the sort of same uh, – for lack of a better word, like old guard towny power block that mm. is deeply opposed to anything of the like of a progressive means-tested uh, uh, sex education program being adopted in Worcester. Uh, and that is sort of the political reality that Joe, who also comes from that block, uh, is dealing with. So if you think about it that way, if you think about the, them coming from the same political upbringing, and he's taking, he's taking a big stand on this, and he's really... Um, he's really making a, a, a concerted good push. He's been the mayor for forever and he's trying to use that cudgel to get this done, but will it be enough to, uh, sort of overpower the longstanding power forces in the Worcester public schools that have prevented this from happening for decades? And it, and it is, I, I will admit as somebody who's, you know, went to school in different districts, you yeah. know, in a couple different districts, you know, no um, other parts of the country. You know, California and Florida before that in third yeah. grade. Um, yeah, it's like, like my memories of sex ed in junior high. Yeah. It was horrendously boring. Right. It was very informative. Yeah. We had, it was, I mean, it was, it, it the teach, the health teacher was too bored with the subject at that point to actually even be embarrassed anymore. Right. You know, yeah, that 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 is that's the and it, but it does the, it did the job. You know, I, so I grew up a couple towns over, and yeah. my sex ed was horrible. Ah. Uh, it was just a incredibly embarrassed health teacher showing you a slideshow of like the worst possible case example of every STI and STD, and being like, "Don't do this." Oh God! <laughs> yeah. Oh so, no, we got the full on. This is how this works. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Which and is what you been, want. Yeah, that's what you want. Uh, it was very but, clinical on ours. Yeah, ours was ours was not, and I think that you know Milford and Worcester are cut from the same cloth in that of way. Course. Uh, the, uh, I would I would say that you know without you know without uh, projecting too much, the uh, the the Irish Catholic culture uh, has a lot to do with this. A lot to do with this. There's uh, and the you know shame. Shame, shame, shame is a huge part of uh, Irish Catholic culture, and I, I'm saying that from personal experience. Well, uh, there you go. I'm and not. It, it can, I'm and not it being, can be. Uh, no, no. I, I, racist toward the Irish. No, I no. I, I uh, <laughs> that's a bit of my background too, actually. Yeah. So you know, I, I I understand what you're saying. That being said, it doesn't have. It isn't always, and it doesn't have to be. So things can change. Things hopefully. can change. Uh, things can change. Will they? I mean, we'll see. I uh, obviously I'm going to be following this issue closely. I feel like I might I know too much about this to the point where I'm very easily set off, uh, and uh, it, it happens. It- <laughs> like the, like it's, it's, it's local politics are the sort of thing where the more you learn about it, the more you're just overcome with a sense of like hopelessness that this is just like just the the same towny baloney that has always happened and it's never going to change, uh, and I. Um, I I think that Joe Petty 
in that context is doing something pretty bold here. Mm-hmm. I would like him to get bolder about it and be uh, a little bit more tough, mean, and nasty on this issue. To get I don't know if that's really his style, though. It's not his style. No way. No. no if no. anything, he's a compromise maker. No, it, and he was. He's already been quoted uh, by um, Hank Stoltz on Hank Stoltz show as, as being like, you know, this is an uncomfortable subject. No one wants to talk about it, uh, and it's nobody's fault that we're here. Uh, and I was like, oh, God, okay. All right. This is how we're going to play. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely nobody's fault. Yeah. Nope. Nobody nobody pulled the Making Proud Choices curriculum before it ever got to a subcommittee uh, hearing last year and then uh, put forward a, a like antiquated 1970s sex ed uh, program instead. You know, no, yeah, no. No one did that. It's nobody's fault. Uh, and if that's the way we're going to – we're going to play this. I just, I don't see it changing. Like, like we, they, we demonstrated that they're, they're not going to budge on this issue and you can't play nice. I think that, that, I don't know. Joe's not going to listen to me, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Never know. Never yeah. know. He does seem to be shifting somewhere. So that's, that's, yeah. that's of interest. I, I think that he is taking a, a bold stance on this. Uh, and he's been the mayor for forever. He should be taking bold stances. Uh, I just like to see him, you know, he's, he's, he put he turned it up to seven. I'd like to see him turn it up to like nine or 10 and just really blast this through. Well, so. it's going to be interesting to watch. I yeah. think um, before we go, I do want to note, I don't really talk about Don Langren's cartoon in the comic on this on this show because it's a radio show and right. you can't actually see the cartoon. Yeah. But this may be the most Womag cartoon ever we ever published. <laughs> it's a picture of the new trash ba- Worcester trash bags or Worcester's improved trash bags. Yes. With the helpful descriptions of what everything does. New drawstring closure, new thicker plastic. Holds more cash for Polar Park cost overruns. <laughs> offers place to hide from Worcester sex and education debate. Uh, this, yeah, yeah. The, kudos, Don. I think I I, I feel seen. Cause, yeah, because <laughs> honestly, like the the new trash bag story. Over, I didn't touch it in my column because it's it's incredibly boring. But that really did overshadow everything else that happened last week. The new people got so fired up about these new trash bags. <laughs> it's it's really funny. You have, I mean, do you, you you do you live in a place where you're taken out with the? I act, I used to. I have a dumpster now. Okay, I I, I have to drag trash bags down two flights of stairs. Mm-hmm. You know, to you know, for my triple decker apartment and then out to the street and when they're th- so thin it drives me crazy yeah it drives me absolutely yeah I so yes a- i this is why worcester it's like the pedestrian thing it's one of those things that worcesterites will always explode over yes and you know those the just the the little nerve touching issues like this like you, you think when you're a reporter like okay who could possibly care about trash bags but then you come to find everybody every, everybody, cares everybody. About trash and that's bags. like that's like the sort of like the joy of being a local reporter is that like you really just have to understand how innocuous the things that people get upset about are. And uh, that the, once you accept it, there's a lot of fun to be had. There we go. There we go. All so right. good job, John. <laughs> so Don Langren calling it as he sees it. Another issue of WOMAG on the cover, a subject that we all like. Who knew? We didn't know it was possible. <laughs> we found it, boys. All right. So if there's something in the civic world of Worcester that everybody can agree on, trolleys, pretty cool. Trolleys are cool. Trolleys are pretty cool. Trolleys, why not? Uh, that should be their slogan. <laughs> I, think, I, 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 I think they've got a winner. Yeah. 
All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes, but first, this is the Blue Ribbon. Listening to the song Hangman's Heart by the Blue Ribbons. That's off their new album, Thoughts and Prayers, which you can read about in today's Worcester magazine. I am now joined here in the studio by entertainment reporter Richard Duckett. Richard, how are you today? Oh, hi, I'm good, Victor. And you've got a story in the Telegram today um, on page A2. 
Um, Worcester Arts Council announces 163,000 in local grants. Why don't you tell us what's going on with that? Yeah, I think that's one of the largest amounts um, in recent years. Um, it's a yearly allocation. Uh, Worcester Arts Council, like other arts councils around the state, um, get money appropriated from the Massachusetts Cultural Council. And so this year, um, Worcester Arts Council had $163,000 to give out, which is 30000 more than last year. And they made awards to uh, 53 um, um, community organizations, artists, and programs. And um, there were... Um, uh, art f- two five thousand dollar art fellowships given to Cyril Vincent, who we uh, just did, wrote about, who we did a story about recently, whose um, documentary on Woodstock is being shown at the Worcester Pop Up on January twenty fifth. So um, you can go, st- you can still go there and say congratulations, and and also a five thousand fellowship to puppeteer Amanda Gibson, and um, it's quite a rate the. Uh, the allocations cover quite a range from Art Worcester's annual college show to uh, a woman in, of color arts weekend, the Central Mass Jazz Festival. Uh, there's a lot there. I would like to note in the interest of disclosure that the um, Puppet podcast, which also airs here on Unity Radio, which is um, un- uh, what, which is co-hosted by um, Worcester Magazine writer Sarah Connell Sanders, was amongst the recipients on it. So congratulations, Sarah and Molly. Yes, right, right. And um, yeah, there are some new faces in that and some familiar faces in the, in the allocations. I think um, um, 85% of um, people who applied actually got grants. That's so, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And um, the application process will begin again in the fall of this year. But... Here's something else that happens every year. Um, Governor Baker proposes a budget. And in da, da, that... Cue <laughs> <in that> ominous <laughs> music if you listen to this podcast. Though Nothing good ever, usually follows those, but I could be wrong this time. Uh-huh, not if you're a member of the Massachusetts Cultural Council, because um, the governor's budget for the coming fiscal, fiscal year proposes um, an investment of... $16.3 million, um, through the Mass Cultural Council, which sounds like a lot, but in fact, that's a $1.7 million funding reduction. Mm. Um, and the same thing happened last year, actually. Uh, Governor Baker proposed $16.1 million, but then um, the Massachusetts Cultural Council is very good at lobbying, and um, they have a Democratic uh, legislature, and um, the budget ended up being $18,180,000, which was a high-water high mark uh, in recent times. So I think in the next few months, there'll be a lot of um, lobbying and back and forth. Pushback. Yeah, so... Yeah. You know, if this is a subject you feel strongly about one way or the other, by all means, contact your legislature, <laughs> legislators. Yeah, it's an, it's an annual thing, but um, so, so that might not be, however, as things stand, quite as much money for the Worcester Arts Council what? to give out next year. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, um, on a related note, uh, in, in December, the Greater Worcester Community Foundation announced awards to more than uh, one point. 
announced, announced awards, I'm sorry, of $1.5.6 million to Oof. 132 nonprofit organizations. Now, a lot of those were in the field of um, early education mm-hmm. and that sort of thing, but um, uh, there were a number of uh, arts, gra- arts organizations that got grants. And um, also, the Greater Worcester Foundation has uh, an initiative going on. Um, in participation with the Bar Foundation of Worcester, which is called the Creative Worcester Initiative. So, I mean, there is money out there. However, I mean, I had uh, Anita Walker, who's the executive director of the Massachusetts Cultural Council. Um, She was in for an interview uh, recently, and she said that most of her organizations, um, which are arts nonprofits, Mm. are are financially fragile. Um, All of them are. And so so every single cent really is appreciated. Oh, Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. and the reason uh, Anita Walker was in town was um, that the Massachusetts Cultural Council is lo- launching what's called a Culture RX initiative. Oh, uh, it's about to, it's it's underway, and it's based on the premise that um, the arts are good for you health wise, <laughs> uh, and it could lead to a case where uh, a doctor may prescribe two shows and uh, call me in the morning. Uh, so. Um, there's going to be several p- parts of this culture RX initiative. Uh, one of which is that um, people who have Connect Care cards. Mm-hmm. This is um, this is um, provided by the Massachusetts Health Connector for people whose incomes are less than three thousand percent of the federal po- three hundred percent of the federal poverty level. Mm. Uh, they present a card and they can get into um, participating uh, organizations, events, or exhibitions for free or at a reduced daily rate. Oh, that's a reduced nice. rate. Um, locally, um, the Worcester Chamber Music Society and the Art Museum are two organizations that are taking part in this. Um, the idea being that. Um, Often loneliness is, is a trigger to um, ill health. Um, and um, Plus anxiety and depression. Yeah, and so going to a show gets you out and about. And um, a pilot program is also going to be launched where a doctor might actually prescribe that you go to see uh, a show or participate in a particular activity. And the Massachusetts Cultural Council will, would reimburse that organization. Oh, uh, well, that's a fascinating and program. The um, reimbursement would come from some money that the Massachusetts Cultural Council is going to be getting from casinos. There was a casino mitigation provision um, that was passed in the legislature. Uh, And the Massachusetts Cultural Council is going to get about um, 4% of casinos taxed revenues. Um, Two... Three quarters of that are going to go to a mitigation fund, which could benefit... Um, an organization like the Hanover Theater, which are a nonprofit presenting arts organization, but seemed to have been hurt by casinos in um, Springfield, for example, which can attract um, headliners um, uh, that won't end up coming to the Hanover Theater. I mean, Cher was out there in Springfield recently. So, um, so that's three quarters of the mitigation fund, and the other quarter is going to go to um, uh, funding this 
pilot prescription program. Well, that's that's a fascinating, fascinating um, effort. I mean, it's something that I've never heard quite framed that way before. I've heard the art is good for you, and I've I've heard about psychologists and you know when you're dealing with things like depression and stuff and anxiety and you know music therapy is you know a major yes. major component in right. that. Right. Yeah, this would be a first state in the nation to do it. Um, apparently, there are similar sort of programs that go on in the United Kingdom and other hmm. other parts of Europe. Um, uh, I guess in, in Plymouth, England, uh, is, is a pioneer um, uh, in this. And um, somebody from Plymouth, England, apparently is going to be coming over to Massachusetts uh, this year. Oh, well, that's fascinating. I think we're going to have to pay attention and watch that, how that unfolds, because I, I am I am intrigued. I that's, This is actually the first I'm hearing of it, and it's... It's an intriguing prospect. I really, I really, I want it to work. Yes, yes, it does make sense. There is some basic common sense uh, underlying it, really. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll 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 have to wait and see and see how it plays out. They will research and follow up on these pilot programs to see how they are actually working out. Yeah. Okay. Well, that seems we have a lot to look forward to. Is there anything else that we should be talking about on this? Well, I've got some interesting stories coming up, so stay tuned. Excellent. Well, for more, pay, read our for more, check us out in Worcester Magazine and the Act section on Sunday of the Telegram and Gazette, and of course in the daily paper pages of the Telegram and Gazette. As always, this has been another Worcester Culture Watch. Um, as always, our music was composed by DJ Manipulator. We'll be back next week.